We're going to St. Andrews this week on the WGT Challenge. Not to be confused with St. Andrew, who is sitting to my left. Uh, I'm a saint? Yes, wow. You're a Thank saint. you. You're a saint in my eyes, Mace. Uh, we're going to St. Andrews. Go to the closest to the whole challenge on, dub- on World Golf Tour, the app, which you can download at freewgt.com. Make sure you get it from freewgt.com so they know that you heard about it from us. Go to freewgt.com. Download World Golf Tour, go to the closest hole challenge, play the first hole at St. Andrews, try and battle that difficult wind and get it as close as you can. And if you are the closest, you're going to get a sweet prize. If you just play along, well, every single time you play and enter a screenshot into the weekly challenge, you're going to be entered for a chance to win the grand prize. Remember to take a screenshot of how close you got and tweet it at BSN Broncos. For your chance to win don't wait because this hole is a nightmare it is tough make sure you get in ryan was nice to everyone made it hole number one so that you can replay it over and over again so don't wait on this hole and don't wait on getting in because every single time you play you get a chance at that grand prize i don't think anyone's gotten it inside eight feet yet i'm gonna i'm gonna get within one i doubt no, it definitely not you've yet to, uh, what was your best so far like five i think i had I think I had three. Oh, right. That was the time that I had like 1.7. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's jump into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the courage from my life, the best part of the weekend. Hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome into the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee got me right this morning. Had a little bit of the espresso. It's got a nice flavor to it. Not too bitter. Not too uh, flavorless. It's got a nice. Fl- it's got a nice flavor to it. Uh, I go. I go americano. Maybe you want to go with just the regular drip coffee. They've got it all. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee. Well, boys. Uh, it doesn't take too long when you start a season for the injuries to start to pile up and start to pile up. And unfortunately for the Broncos, they've happened in places where we very much expected them. Offensive line, a position where really you looked at the depth and said, okay, there's one guy among the reserves that you'd trust. That's Elijah Wilkinson. He had some moments at times Monday, struggled at other times. He got thrust in there because Juwan James hurt his knee, and now we're getting word he's going to be out for the next several weeks. So if there's another injury on the offensive line, as I said yesterday, you're going to give Austin Schlottman a shot, man. <laughs> it's not. Uh, that's not what you want. That is no. not what you want. And we said it before the season. The Broncos can afford precisely one injury on the offensive line. Well, it took you all of ten plays. For you to get that injury it's always worse that way isn't it because doesn't it because you the linebacker position for example that's the other position that the broncos are depth compromised at offensive line one side inside linebacker the other todd davis goes down what feels like 30 seconds in a training camp he hasn't made his way back Corey nelson had to be signed off the street having been cut by the bucks and 
he looked like a guy who was playing his first game in that scheme Monday night. Josie Jewell had 13 tackles, mainly because he was cleaning up for what Corey Nelson was not able to, t- to handle in that first game. You know, and if they lose another, if they lose Jewell, then pff, I don't know what they do. Unfortunately, the Juwan James injury is no surprise. No surprise at all. Every odd year, which 2019 is an odd year, he misses half a season, at least half a season. So several weeks, especially with a knee sprain, a significant sprain, that's probably something like, like Todd Davis's uh, partially torn calf, well, an injury where you know it, it doesn't heal overnight. Like Chris Harris Jr.'s arm pretty much healed overnight his last leg. year. Or, or yes, his his leg. Uh, it, it's not going to be like that. So for, I imagine it's going to be a couple months that Elijah Wilkinson is going to be the right tackle. And, of the course... old six to eight weeks. I bet we're getting it, that one coming. Exactly. But you can't really put him on IR, right? No. Because if you put him on IR, if you put Tim Patrick, and there's a position where the Broncos could afford to lose a guy. And Tim Patrick, I think you just plug Jawan Winfrey into that spot on the 53-man roster, and you're, or on the 46-man active roster, I should say, and you're good to go. But... I don't think you can put Jawan James on injured reserve unless you're prepared to say we're not going to recall Theo Riddick or we're not going to recall Drew Locke. And no, you you can't. can't. He 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 has to stay on the active roster. He he absolutely has to, and that's why I think we're going to hear uh, several weeks as the starting timeline, so so that they don't feel pressure of the eight weeks to put him on the IR. And we know the depth is a huge issue now. It was already an issue now. It's a huge issue. But right now, guys, how much does this affect the Broncos? How much does it hurt them? What is the drop-off from Juwan James to Elijah Wilkinson? We don't know because we never got to see Juwan James playing at his best. Now, there's a reason that he's the highly paid guy um, who you know is the second highest paid right tackle in football, and Elijah Wilkinson was an undrafted uh, player. <laughs> but with that being said... We, we've we always felt pretty good about Elijah Wilkinson. I think he's always filled in well. Um, and on the other hand, he struggled the other night when he was forced in there. So the drop-off is significant. Um, there's a big drop-off in the NFL just about anywhere from your starters to your backups. Elijah Wilkinson is about as good as you can feel about a backup offensive lineman in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. But this is this. it's not about this injury. It's about the next one. And history shows us that offensive line players get banged up. And the Broncos are now one injury away. I'll touch wood here for them. They're one injury away from truly being in shambles on that line, in my opinion. Now, they haven't gone through a season with the same five starting on the offensive line throughout the regular season since, I believe, 2011. And in that year, Chris Cooper got hurt in the regular season finale, so they had to put, I believe it was Russ Hochstein out there for the rest of that season finale and then into the playoffs uh, when they beat Pittsburgh and lost to New England. So you're right. It's rare that you get through the season. That first backup has to be somebody that you expect to start anywhere from five to eight games regardless. But now the chances are good that you're going to lose somebody else. I think the question now becomes, guys, of the other four offensive linemen in the starting lineup that remain, which one can the Broncos least afford to lose? 
Dalton Reisner. Dalton Reisner. He was the best offensive lineman on Monday night. I thought by some distance. He wasn't. He wasn't close. And Andre yeah. uh, Simone did the grades for us, and, and Dalton had far and away the best grade. I think he gave him a B minus, which was the best anyone had on the line. And, and that's what your eyes told you, too. Dalton was finishing plays. He was never mentioned negatively in the entire game. No penalties. None of that. <laughs> Again, I'll touch wood. If you take Dalton Reisner out of this equation, I mean, you might as well fold the season. To many Broncos fans, there's an, there's an easy answer to this. Trent Williams. He, he's sitting right there. Uh, you just freed up cap space. Head. L- look at that. And now you have a clear need. And then also, I mean, the depth issue, then Elijah Wilkinson gets to, gets to be a backup again and fill any four of those holes outside of center if there's an injury. What do you think? Okay. First of all, I'd keep Elijah Wilkinson at right. Yeah. So what do you do with Garrett Bowles? Bench. Bench, not even try him at guard. I mean, you may have to try him at guard because if Ron Leary has an injury at some point, that's the other thing. You can't count on Ron Leary to make it through the entire season because he's had his years cut short two times in a row, and it took him until the very end of the preseason before he was making it through a practice start to finish. It felt like a win that he just made it through the first game. Like That's yes. like where you're at. Every time he goes through a game without getting injured, you're yeah. like, all right, we, good for us. Um, yeah, Garrett Bowles, right guard. I've always – try him there. There's, a, there's people who know the offensive line better than me who have always been very averse to the, the Bulls to guard thing. I've always thought it was worth a try, um, and especially before you completely pull the cord on this experiment, I think it is worth a try. It's worked for some other guys. Like Robert Gallery from Iowa he went to the Raiders, I believe number two overall pick. That's a great example. He was awful at guard or at tackle. They move him inside the guard. He's not all pro level but he's a solid starter. And I think if Bowles continues to struggle at tackle, that is something you look at just to re- start trying to recover the value on him. Yeah, and, and again, Matt McChesney, who does such a great job of breaking this all down, talks about this just about every week. The Broncos have to slide to Garrett Bowles to protect him. Anyone with a, with a, uh, a left tackle worth their money, they're sliding away from the left tackle. And let's say you were able to put a Trent Williams out on that left side and you're able to put Garrett in the mix while you're sliding away from Trent and then Garrett has kind of help around him at all times rather than what you wish you could do, which is put him on an island out there and you're messing up the whole flow of things by having to help him. Uh, Like Dalton Reisner is having to help him on a play-in, play-out basis. It's not – a good situation for your left tackle. Your left tackle is supposed to be your anchor. So I, I've i always been of the belief of, eh, just give it a try at guard just to see, just to see if, uh, you know, the amount not being alone on an edge and having and being surrounded could help Garrett out a little bit, help him focus. No, 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 no. You, you, you can't do that because trading for Trent Williams, I don't believe is, is the answer right now. It's not, but I'm just saying if they were to do it, I, I'd sidetrack this. I sidetracked this by just saying I'd keep Elijah at right anyway. It's another kick the can down the road thing. And the, the Broncos, if they lose Sunday and they follow that with yet another loss in Wisconsin, a state in which they've literally never won, <laughs> 
are you thinking about trading for Trent Williams? Or are you starting to field some calls? Yeah, that's about the, some of your valuable players. That's the thing you mentioned it yesterday, Zach. You said if you're two and zero, and Garrett Bowles is the weak link of your team, then you're saying, hey, let's go get Trent Williams. Or if you're two and two, if you get through this month at five hundred, then you can say, now we're right in it. But maybe that, maybe moving Bowles and getting Trent Williams might push us from a 500 range to a 10 and 6. I just I don't even think you do it at 2 and 2. I, I think you have to be I think John Elway has to be surprised with how good this team is because when when we're talking Trent Williams at least in my mind, I'm thinking a first round pick is what you have to trade for him. So so you can't just be flirting with 500 and thinking, "Okay, this is going to be a better year." I think John's got to be like, "Whoa, whoa." I got, a, I got a real chance at, at something good here. Well, I don't think you give up a one. I think you give up a two. I just the, and if you do a two, if you're able to get him for a two, then you're okay with that because you have the two third round picks next year. So you still have two day two selections. If you want to get into the second round, you can take those thirds and move back up to the two. It's more palatable if you can do it for a second round pick and you're in the mix, then it's something I think you have to, that you are willing to think about. I would not do it for a one well, I, at all. I certainly agree that I'd way rather do the second-round pick as well. It just from, from everything I've heard, it doesn't seem like Washington's w- willing to deal with that. Eventually they're going to have to make a decision, though. Do they want to just sit on his money, or do they want to get something out of it? I think if you could do it for a two, it's worth considering regardless just because you've had so many issues. Um so then you can't with, do it for a one. You know the rules. Until you have your quarterback, you can't trade first-round picks. So with this, though. So what if they break the rules? Well, <laughs> then, you better ho- then you better hope Drew Locke is the guy. Yeah, because I, I hate that idea. Something else that comes with Trent Williams is then you'll have the second-highest paid right tackle in the league, and you'll probably have to make Trent Williams the highest paid left tackle in the league, and you'll be shelling out, what, $30 million for your tackles. Got that Which, team option on Von Miller next year, though. Mm, that'll <laughs> One, save you 25. I would say, well, hey, you've got Joe Flacco. You're going to year to year, but oh, wait, you restructured him. <laughs> right. So the advantage of that contract, you've napalmed. I'll never I, understand that. I, yeah, well, we're having the Trent Williams discussion in part because they restructured okay go do, go do something yeah. <laughs> make something happen extend chris extend justin simmons whatever you want to do make something happen with that money or else it was a massive waste do you think bronco fans would handle all this better if the team came out and said it's rebuilding Without yeah we talked doubt. about that yesterday yeah. and and they 100 yeah. percent would everyone would it's 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 easy it's to. not a patient fan base like we said yesterday they're not patient because everyone keeps telling them they're going to win the Super Bowl. Right. If you're, if you're told you have a six to eight week injury and week 14 comes around and the injury's still there, you're probably like, well, what's going on? They're like, uh, it was actually going to be this long anyways. We just don't want that. No, if you're told it's 14 weeks, then you're just going to hold out to 14 weeks, right? Exactly. Maybe I'm guilty of seeing this, though, as the smart fancies, because I think the smart fans can see right through it. But I, I'm not sure the, the general public can. I think the general public kind of buys in. A little bit to the expectations. I think and those who look closer realize what this team actually is. I think all fans, though, want to believe. And if you give them, if you feed them belief, then eventually they're going to accept it. And and I think it changes everything. If John Elway would have said two years ago, "Hey, guys, this is going to be a three-year rebuild. It's this is a tough project that we're about to embark on, but I have a lot of faith in it." 
then everyone would have been really patient. But, you know, uh, Paxton Lynch was a three-year project. But John Elway came out the day after they drafted him and said he's going to be ready a lot faster than people think. And then all of a sudden, the, the clock has just been – it starts. It start, you know, there's no um, T-minus at that point. The clock has started. It's, it's liftoff. So you, as a general manager, as a person in a position of power in a front office of a, nas- of a National Football League franchise – you have to control the narrative. You have to tell people the truth or else you're going to get what's happening. And here's here's the only problem, Mace. You say that the smart fans see through it and understand it's a rebuild. And there's other fans that get caught up in Or in that it should saying. be a rebuild. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to get to was I don't think the organization and, and the people running it and the decision makers realize that it's a rebuild. And that's that's the issue. They're trapped in this we're trying to win it all every year mindset and if you've got the pieces in place that's fine but this team is lacking a lot of pieces and I wonder if Peyton Manning has kind of short-circuited the thinking a little bit because with Peyton you were able to take that shortcut and as a result in Two seasons, you went from four and twelve to thirteen and three. Without Peyton Manning, that rebuild coming out of four and twelve takes a lot longer. And maybe twenty twelve was actually a step back rather than going from eight and eight to thirteen and three. So, yeah, I, I, and I wonder if that they're kind of trapped in that. Like, okay, Joe Flacco, he's won a Super Bowl. We get him back in our scheme. He's gonna he, he's gonna play right. at that sort of level, right? There's a lot of stuff like that, you know. There's a lot of situations where because of X, Y, and Z, you know, A, B, and C has now happened. And the rebuild slash lack of rebuild uh, is a reflection of how they were able to take a shortcut. The lack of offense that we've seen around here is a reflection of how they've built the defense. The, you know, all of this stuff – it's kind of um, you can point back to the origins of it, and it's funny because like the Broncos won a Super Bowl in 2015, and it feels like it's been a million years since they've been good now, and you're actually seeing the almost the repercussions of winning that Super Bowl on the back of a defense. John Elway kind of abandoned offense at that point, and Zach, I remember you wrote an article like pointing out the money the Broncos were paying like the least amount of money of anyone in the league, and they had the worst offense like. John Elway truly abandoned offense um, after they won that Super Bowl. So it's a ripple effect that's going on now. And it's, I guess it, just, it takes time for the ripples to, to go away. And you know what would fall perfectly from everything we've seen John Elway and the Broncos do the last five years? It would be for trading for Trent Williams, wouldn't it? It, it would Perfect. be making the win-now move. They always make the win-now right. move. Um, which – as a fan base, I the, I think you can appreciate that. Like, as a fan, you you want to believe your team can win every year, but at the same time, sometimes the smart thing to do is to is to burn it down and and let the grass grow over it. At least that win now move wasn't Antonio Brown. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it gets worse. That t- my take just gets worse and worse every day. But I've already owned up to it on Twitter. You have you have you admitted it. I took my I took my lashes, and we've moved on. <laughs>
before we move on here on the podcast, I want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. They're the best beers you can find in Colorado, in my opinion. You've got Strawberry Sky, Breck Lager. You've got the new Colorado Core. I always name those three. You can tell that those are my three favorites. <laughs> There's the Vanilla Porter. There's the Avalanche Amber Ale. It, the list goes on, and if you're a general beer lover, you'll love every single one of their beers. If you just have one or two or three types of beers that you like, well, you're going to like their version of those. So make sure you go to your local liquor store, whether it's Total Beverage, Davidson's, or somewhere else, and get some Breckenridge beers. They're damn good beers. All right, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back on the other side, we will get to your questions. When looking for a new home, location is so important. And as sports fans, you obviously want to be close to your favorite sports teams. So if you're in the market of buying a new home, you gotta check out Aria Denver Homes. They are located just 10 minutes away from downtown, Coors Field, Pepsi Center, and Broncos Stadium at Mile High. So what makes Aria Denver unique is the home buying process is all about you. You know, we offer free home inspections. We make sure we're in a great location in Denver. Um, as well as we outreach into the community and have a lot of involvement with a lot of different businesses as well as you know parks and other areas in the location. Like Tyler mentioned, Aria Denver believes the home buying process is all about you. That's why they offer that free home inspection, customizable finishes, and brand new appliances. But that's not all. So we specifically have a greenhouse on campus at Aria. Um, that residents are able to sign up for a subscription service and have fresh veggies delivered to, to their door each week. And then we also have a great relationship with Regis University. So our partnership with Regis allows residents to have access to the fitness center and gym. Move today where everyone wants to live tomorrow. To learn more, go to www.aria.denverskylofts.com or call them today at 720-372-1022. All right, we're moving along here on the BSN Broncos podcast. And first here, we got to get to the question of the week, which is presented by Sports Column. I got to head down to downtown tonight, so maybe I will be uh, indulging in some of the wings over at Sports Column or some of the great daily specials they have over there. Or maybe I'll just walk in there and and make sure my jumper is right because you can do that at the Sports Column. Uh, Make sure you check out the Sports Column, who presents each week. Our question of the week. And Zach, what is that question? That question was, what do you need to see against the Bears to feel good about the Broncos moving forward? Do you want me to start? I could start. First one coming in. Oh, yeah, sure. Give me your answer. Um, how do I say this? A, a win, but in a clean way. I need it to be a clean win. If they scrap their way to a 10-7 win, I'll be... I will sit back on this podcast and say they're back to zero and zero and everything's in front of them. But at the same time, I'm not going to feel great about things. I'm just going to say, well, they always win at home in their first uh, game of the season. Uh, The bears are clearly a mess on offense. You know, there will be things for me to point to where I say, I'm still not feeling great about the future of this team. If they go out there, they put up, set the bar low for what it normally should be 24 points on offense they hold the the uh, the Bears. They don't allow quick, easy passes all day. They get some pass rush. Go have a clean win where it just felt like you were the better team, and I'll feel good. I want to see glitches fixed. I don't want to see Isaac Yadam left on an island without safety help when you've got 
10 players in the box on third and short. I want to see that if Yadam, if they put Yadam out there early and he struggles, I want to see a change. I want to see Kareem Jackson as an every down corner in the base package and then Will Parks at safety with Justin Sims. I wouldn't even be opposed to seeing that at the start if Bryce Callahan can't go. Um, if Corey Nelson continues to struggle, I'd like to see Alexander Johnson get a look. Yeah, he makes some mistakes. Yeah, he has a tendency of being the wrong place, but at least bring some thump there to that inside linebacker spot alongside um, alongside Josie Kuehl, if Todd Davis can't go. Now, if Todd Davis can play, fine, just put him in there. I want to see more push from the defensive line. You didn't see anybody from up front except on occasion Mike Purcell getting into the backfield. I think Adam Gotts has had one tackle for a loss from that group. It was not a stellar play game from the defensive line last week. They, they were neutralized. Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris were non-factors. They need to be bigger parts of the equation to get pressure on Mitchell Trubisky and force him off the spot within a second and a half of taking the snap. Do not feel bad about this team moving forward. The Broncos have to win. Just straight up, they have to win this game. They cannot be 0-2 going into Green Bay. The if they do all those not, things. The sorry. question is to not, isn't to not feel but, bad. It's to feel good. I know. I'm getting there. You interrupted yeah. me. But to feel good, it, it's got to be a good win. And that can be that can be a 17-16 win if 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 you're not getting it. Let let's say you win the the game because special teams is the only aspect of the game you win. Let's say they have two punt return for touchdowns. You're feeling great about special teams, but if they get beat in the other three phases, you, you're feeling bad. You, you have to be have, solid all the way around. If they have two punt returns for touchdowns, Deontay Spencer's getting carried off the field. Maybe by it's his River teammates. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they're bringing him back, but. Um, yeah, you have to win, but for me, the style points count in winning. You've got to fix some of the problems because if you have a game where you have outlier outcomes like two punt return touchdowns or a punt block or a fumble return for a touchdown that proved to be the difference in the game, then have you really solved the problems that are at the guts of things? You have to win. I think that's... Job number one, because 0-2 going to Green Bay, ugh, ugh, not good. But I have to see progress in the areas that need fixing. Yeah, it's it's important. It's really important for them to win in a fashion that's convincing. But if they just win one way or another, it at least gives them one more week to correct things um, before you know you start to freak out. But Did I'm looking for I'm looking for actual. Remedies. I'm not looking to put a Band-Aid on, an, on a wide-open flesh wound here. And Damian agrees with you, Mace. He says a good defensive system, some quarterback pressure at least. The next one comes in from KG, the uh, opinionist. At least one quarterback pressure. Hey, we're setting the bar low here. Well, technically, you had a pressure. You just didn't have a hit. hit yes. about, Josie Jewell had the pressure. How about this? Saying Setting the bar low. Bronco Hawk says, I'm worried the Broncos are on the road to a top three pick. This team is terrible. LaVisca, LaVisca. <laughs> yeah, the guy that has, what, 67 yards through two games right now? Who cares? <laughs> they're, they're being smart with him, kind of. <laughs> uh, from Seth Moldenhauer, simple. The D, figure their, I think he says, stuff out. 
in a different language or something <laughs> and dominate the pathetic bears offense, get pressure, get turnovers and set up the offense for success. It would be nice to see the defense, which was very underwhelming the other day, go out there and, and set their points per game average down to like, I don't know, 12. Mm-hmm. Casey comes in and says red zone conversions, no big plays allowed on defense. Uh, vivid swing says I want more pressure from the defense and conversions in the red zone. That would go a long way. Helder says, stopping the run and getting on Mitch. Also, can we get some offense going against the top D? Uh, Grant Hamilton. He just simply says a win, and I think that's a fair place to be as a fan right now. Yep, and Dom says, would agree with you. He says a competitive win and a monster offense. Man, that's a lot. From Harry, don't ever expect a monster offense from this team. Uh, if if you're doing that, then you're going to be consistently disappointed every week. Who expected 59 from Baltimore, though? And yeah. I remember, I think it was... I would, have pretty, I would have said anything could happen against a team that's not even trying to win. There was an outlier game that I recall a long time ago, 23 years ago. The Rams were playing the Falcons. Rams had Tony Banks at quarterback, terrible offense, and just out of the blue, they scored 59. Wow. Sometimes you're going to have a ridiculous outlier result. I don't didn't, expect it, but did, you never know. Didn't the Trevor Simeon Broncos put up a 50-piece on the Cowboys? Or was that 40-something? I think it was 42. Yeah, it was, it was a 52. 40, no, it was like 42-17 or something 40, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Still, it's 40-piece. With the pick six, I think that was the only fluky touchdown. All right, uh, from... That was the moment where people wanted to give Trevor Simeon a contract extension after that, remember? 4-0, right? 2-0. Yeah, they two were 2-0, and, 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 and then he goes to Buffalo the next week, and he can't execute a throwaway to the sideline, can't get enough mustard on it, gets picked off. Yeah. Did you see that picture that came out of him yesterday? It's not looking good. What was it? He's got, like, a mullet now. Mm-hmm. He's kind of gone off the deep end a little bit. Looks a little uh, he's thicker let- in the face. <laughs> well, he's married now. It's true. Yeah, he's, he's let himself he's, he's go. Let, him, let himself go. You don't have to impress anybody anymore. You've, you know, you've, you've got your wife. You're set. So just let yourself go. All right. Next one's from Zach G. Says no five yard cushion. Offense scored enough that we should uh, win, given how great we feel our defense should be. So if our defense can't hang with that garbage show of a quarterback, the Bears have the offense is going to need to go out there and blaze it. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing from KG, the opinionist, Rachel, Dustin, uh, a lot of people are just chiming in and saying dominant defense. They, they, they don't care about the, the offense. They want the defense to look like what we thought a Vic Fangio defense would look like with Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, Chris Harris Jr., Kareem Jackson. And I think that is generally what would make everyone feel good, the defense being dominant, because that's what you have to hang all of your, all of your hats on this year. All right, I think that wraps it up for the question of the week. Why don't we now go on to the website, go on to bsndenver.com, where you can get in on the comments section when you subscribe. Um, I almost said subscribe using Broncos Camp, but that's long gone. <laughs> so let's go into the comment section on the most recent podcast where you can leave them when you subscribe and read questions from the listeners. First one coming in from Xander. He says, what up, fellas, and welcome in Mace. That game made me real sick to watch, but hopefully there are better things to come with what Vic and the rest of the mob can do. Maybe a loss early is something the Broncos need if we compare it the way the past two seasons and what transpired over the early wins. That's me being overly optimistic to annoy Zach. Ryan, (laughs) I'm a man of my word. I know you email, or I know you email. Your email. Your email can be a black hole, but if you check it, you'll see that there is an audio clip 
for our bet for the CSU-CU game. Do with it what you wish. Should I, instead of inserting this into the podcast, should I just play it into my uh, microphone right now? We can try. Let's see what happens here. There we go. I don't know if you could hear that. You know, we he have CSU it. fans listening to this podcast, too. We that, do have CSU fans. He's a CSU fan. He oh, is a CSU, a CSU fan. fan. That was okay. the thing. We bet. I had to say the opposite of it sucks to be a CSU Ram, which I'll never say. Um, <laughs> if the Buffs lost, he had to say that oh. lovely sentence. Okay. If the Buffs won. So he said, sorry it took so long. I wasn't trying to dodge the bet. It just took longer than I thought. To get it to you after 24 hours of travel to Australia, then getting settled in my new residence just in time to watch that awful Monday night game, which aired at mid 12.20 p.m. on Tuesday. I love that. The time difference is crazy. Much love from the BSN community, Alex. I'll give you a meaningless stat on uh, the week one loss and how, okay, it can be positive. The last time the Broncos played the week one game on a baseball field in 2005, they won 13 of their next 15 regular season games. <laughs> How about this? How about this? Seven out of the 12 playoff teams last year started 0-1. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's only uh, Wednesday. We were, we're already back. We're back to optimism. Uh, if you lose on Sunday, you have an 11% chance of making the playoffs. Yes. What about if you win? 0-2. I don't know. A lot better than 11%. Prob- probably <laughs> quintuple that. Probably. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on here. The next one is from Coach Tobin. He says, hey, guys, one, awesome coverage from start to finish for the week of the game. This is my first season as part of the family, and holy jeez, you guys do a heck of a job. Best I've heard and seen. Thanks so much. And if uh, you haven't subscribed, listen to Coach Tobin. Yeah, thank you, Coach. Two, I'm not worried at all. I stand by my everything is new, and it takes time take. They will get it lined up, and this game will be a learning experience. Last season, the Colts started one and four. I believe, and made the playoffs. Andrew Luck's not walking through that door, though. <laughs> he may be. It is a different uh, team, but a few similarities with new coaching staffs, etc. Threes for Mr. B. Four, I know it's been shot down, but why not bring in the tackle from the skins, move bulls to right tackle? Well, we already talked about that. Well, we talked about guard. Right tackle, okay. Um, he has enough trouble with left tackle. If he goes to right tackle, he's got to reverse everything that he's doing. I think that would be just chaos you're better off trying him at a different position oh i watched mcchesney break down that play where he was just completely lost and it was so hard to watch all right four. Oh no five zach the hot pocket video is awesome but there's no reason anyone should be eating that ever <laughs> plus straws have two holes one continuous hole uh zach's hot pocket eating video got five thousand views <laughs> that is wild maybe we should have some kind of bet affixed to this that you, you're going to eat a Hot Pocket on camera before every game until the Broncos win. Mm. Zach's going to weigh like 400 pounds. <laughs> John, help me out. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's like a supersize me, but, right. uh, yeah. but a BSN documentary. He says, I heard it's bear season. Time to hunt. Finally, seven is for John. Yeah. Next one coming in from Thick Fangio. He says, just want to start by saying I was all for Yadam through the preseason, and it pains me to say this, but we will lose every game that he starts in. 
Also, a block in the back on a fair catch. We need to just let Clemson take our place in the NFL. And this Broncos team will probably still go 5-7 and seven in the dumpster fire that is the ACC football. On a positive note, Callahan's return will definitely have a noticeable improvement on the defense, and I hope Winfrey and Riddick return will get something going on offense. Someone needs to light a fire under their buns, or they will go 0-16. My only question is, who do you think we draft with the number one overall pick? Hashtag optimism. You know, I, I actually, <laughs> the Clemson mention got me thinking as I was going back and re-watching the Miami-Baltimore game. Would the Miami Dolphins trade their roster for Clemson's right now. Oh, my God. Uh, 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 yeah. Knowing that Trevor Lawrence yeah, would be exactly a part right. of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, any team without a quarterback should make that trade. Yeah, you. I mean, Clemson, aside from Trevor, has probably got at least 20 to 25 NFL players lurking on that roster up and down the depth chart. Some, some of them are freshmen, and they just haven't played all that much yet. Yep. So, anyway, from Iceman, hey, boys, more Allie and Lindsay. I commented on the last two pods to no avail, question mark, so I'm not wasting my time tonight. Have a good week, you three. It must have been kind of just the timing we, of we it. T- or, yeah, well, yeah. we told you yesterday about how uh, you got to listen closely, Iceman. Somehow our podcast that was posted just disappeared, so we didn't get to many of the questions probably because we couldn't see any of them. Yeah. Um, and the other one is, is probably just a timing thing. Well, no. The other one was the pregame, the, the last podcast before the game, which we have told you guys, if you comment on that, they're not going to get read. Iceman, you roll with us too long not to know that. Come on, Iceman. Too, <laughs> much, the- ice, too much iced beer. <laughs> and uh, Love Thunder down and under said, me too, wasn't sure if I was doing something wrong. No, but uh, yeah, like we said... We just don't like you guys anymore. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> We're back in the swing of things. Comment on this pod, and we will read your concerns, Iceman. From Bronco 77 hey, guys, haven't commented in a while. Still recovering from the 3.20 a.m. start for the Raiders game. Has Ooh. to be overseas back in Europe then. Yeah, UK, I think, was where yep. 3.20 was. Uh, I honestly felt like it was the preseason. There was no intensity or enthusiasm until it was too late. Our running game misses Jano so much. I haven't heard that take yet, and mm. that's a good one. I, I would agree. And go back to the preseason. What was the biggest and best run this team had? It was Andy Janovich rolling through a hole created by Garrett Bowles on the left, Dalton Reisner on the right, Royce Freeman galloping on through. They need Jano. Goes on, Reisner and Sutton were a shining light on a dark day. My question is, do we put Hireman as a fullback and create some holes for Phil to run into until Jano is back and line Fant up as the tight end? P.S. Welcome to the family, Mace. Great to have you. Adding to the great content BSN already provides. Thank you. And, um, well, that's a good question. I, You've got Andrew Beck on yeah, the active roster. I think roster. if you wanted to use a tight end at fullback, you'd go with Andrew Beck, who got, I believe, one snap on Monday night. I'd like to see him in there a bit more. I do say this about Noah Fant. I don't want to see him in line as often. I want to see him as more of a joker tight end. And if that means tweaking the design on some running place so he's making blocks in space rather than in heavy traffic where he'd be working when he was in line, that's something that you consider, and I think it might help him out. Zero catches, Hireman, the other night? Yeah. yeah. Beck, Beck is taking a roster spot, the roster spot that you could have had Drew Locke on the team for so that you didn't have to use one of those two to bring him back so that he could practice in week five when he's healthy instead of wait for a while, so you better use it. Well, you got Tim Patrick going on IR, so Tim Patrick, Drew Locke, Theo Riddick, at least one of those guys isn't coming back, and 
let's we haven't even mentioned Jake Butt in there, but I'm not really expecting Jake Butt to be back this year. Next one coming in from Gotta GC. <laughs> nice. GC for V. Nice. GC for V says, Hey guys, after Monday night's game, my username may no longer be true. Sad face. GC um, for V. I don't know. I think GC for V still works, right? Maybe he's flaccid for Flacco. Oh my oh. gosh. In all seriousness, <laughs> am I the only one that seems bothered with the way Vic spoke to the media? So eerily similar to last year. There seems like there is zero fire or desire when he speaks. Maybe a massive overreaction, but we literally just lost to our division rival. One game in, I understand, but set a standard early in your tenure, Vic. Maybe it's different behind closed doors, but I basically see the same BS we've been served the last two years. Would love to hear what you two th- or what you all think. I think people want emotion, but is that really deep down what you need from a head coach? Your head coach, you need to be kind of viewing things pragmatically and critically, and not getting up there and being an emotional wreck. I mean, do you, would it make everyone feel better if Vic Fangio got up there like the late Dennis Green and said, they are who they thought we thought they were, and we let them off the hook and start slamming the lectern? I would love that. <laughs> yeah, would it would make for a great beer commercial a few years later, perhaps, but I'm not sure that's really what you need from a head coach. Does Bill Belichick do that? Here's the thing. For me as a fan – I have never heard a quote after a loss from my team that I've liked. Like, like no one's ever going to be happy with what the coach is saying after the loss because it doesn't sound good because they lost. Because, and also, people are emotional as fans, and we're all fans of teams. We all get that. Right. And, look, when I'm emo- – if the Braves lose a big game, yeah, part of me wants that pound of flesh. Right there. Part of me wants Brian Snicker in the post-game press conference to go off and say, well, this relief picture sucks, blah, blah, blah. But it's not going to accomplish anything constructive if he does that. Yeah. Because you're trying to get your guys better. You're, 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 you're thinking already in terms of this was a problem. How do I fix it? Yeah, I was at Mel Tucker's press conference yesterday, and someone was asking him, you know, why don't you, why, why don't you yell at the players on the sideline? Like, we haven't seen you freak out. You were down 17-0, and you seemed very calm. And he's just like, I'm trying to do what's the best for our team, what, what's going to help us get better. And me yelling at someone might uh, serve me because I'm angry about what happened, but it doesn't serve that player at all. I remember hearing something very similar from Tony Dungy when he first became a head coach from Tampa in Tampa Bay. They started off 0-5, and people were up in arms, and he was very stoic on the sideline. And lo and behold, that approach ended up paying off they win six of their last 11 games, and they get the thing turned around. I would rather see the coach stay on an even keel. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Except for just from a media standpoint for the, <laughs> yeah, for the fun of it. Love uh, Thunder Down Under. Oh, my. Should I have read that? Well, <laughs> anyway, good day, gents. After a very frustrating Tuesday afternoon watching the game the first time, and 24 hours of low, burning rage and grief <laughs> afterwards, I decided to rewatch the game. I am a little calmer now, as I'm not sure they were quite as bad as it felt to watch them in the heat of the moment. You answered two of my previous questions in your Tuesday damn good pod, though they didn't seem to actually get read out, but I have another for you. If the Raiders were able to scheme the Broncos' pass rush out of the game so effectively and move the ball the way they did painfully, three and a half yards at a time, why didn't teams do this to Chicago last year? Vic's calling just didn't seem to deal with it well at all, or is it all personnel? P.S. Still waiting on those Colorado tips for my mate and I when we touched down in Denver in October. 
Well, okay. Um, why didn't teams do that to Chicago last year? I don't know. Why didn't teams do it to Denver after right. Oakland put the formula out there? It, I don't know because teams are selfish. Want, yeah, te- teams are egotistical. Coaches are egotistical. They say, my system is better than yours. I don't need to see what John Gruden does to beat you because I'm better than John Gruden, so I'm not going to do what John did. In reality, you probably should look what John John Gruden and Derek Carr just did. You know who would do who would do exactly that if they played the Broncos this week? Bill Belichick. Exactly. Yep. He would say, "Oh well, this looks easy. Yep. We're just going to ask Tom Brady to throw five yard passes all day." Yeah, he's pretty good at that. Yep. Uh, so yeah, some people are too stubborn, uh, and and it's honestly an actual coach by coach schematic thing. Do you change your scheme to the defense? Or do you want the defense to change their scheme to you? Well, there's another reason why I think teams should look at that game plan and copy the template and mimic it until the Broncos figure out a way to stop it. For this Broncos team to be successful, its offense has to control the tempo and pace of the game. But if you're taking the five, six, seven-yard dump-offs, quick quick crosses, things of that nature, the – and we talk about death by inches. I call plays like that death by paper cuts. A long time ago, Rich Gannon with the Raiders back in 2002 basically did that to the Broncos on Monday Night Football, and they got pulverized. They lost 34-10 at home. So you take that, and then lo and behold, as we saw with the Raiders on Monday, you're the team racking up the 10-13 to 13 play drive. You're the team chewing seven minutes off the play clock. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Mace, I believe, is going to hop out into a conference call right now. Uh, so it's going to be Thanks, Zach guys. and I for a second, and I'm sure Mace will be back eventually. Um, the next one here comes in from Cristiano Stelling. By the way, Mace is talking to who is it? Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. Yep. Whoever so that head coach. We'll is. be interested to uh, hear what Matt Nagy had to say. Will we? I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he says, I stay up until almost 3 a.m. here in Brazil watching the Broncos lose once again for, to the Raiders, wondering when this purgatory will end. One thing I noticed is Bowles was not called for holding. Yeah, yes, he was. And I asked, did he improve overall or just didn't make a hold? Second question is, why did we struggle so much in short third downs and why so many tackles for losses? Well, short third downs and tackles for losses uh, all come back to the same thing, in my opinion, protection. If you don't have time, that's how you end up not converting third downs. Or if you don't open holes, that's how you end up not converting uh, third downs. So the offensive line has to step it up a little bit. And, and unfortunately, Garrett Bowles did get called for a hold, and, and I don't think he ha- he looked better in the game. And with Garrett Bowles, just if you're optimistic after that performance, then just wait until after Sunday and, and see where it is. Next one's from Cleavers83. Hey, guys, with the news of John calling around to some corners with Callahan possibly being out for a while, why not take a flyer on Eric Berry? He was still good last year as an extremely intelligent player. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stop you there. Eric Berry's a safety. Uh, so, while a very good player, not going to help with the injury woes to the corner position. Zach, what do you think of – what is his name? Aaron Colvin? I wanted to call him former Rocky mm. Tyler Colvin. Just – Cut straight out of the blue from the Texans from for basically playing poorly. I think it would be short-sighted. It'd be very short-sighted because he would just be filling in for Bryce Callahan, right? I don't know how short that sight is. <sighs> and then you're going to invest. I mean, how much would you have to pay him? That's an interesting question. 
I don't know the answer to L- it. Let's just say, let's just say, I think it, I think this is a discount, but seven million, That's the, what sa- I was the same as Callahan. So now you're paying one position, that one position, fourteen million. I just don't think you've you've invested way too much in the secondary already. There's got to be more to the story there, right? Like he screamed at O'Brien in the in the locker room or something. Something, right? You don't cut a guy you just paid big money to just for a bad game. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing that would make me hesitate. And really quick, Eric Berry, why is he not in the league right now? I, I think you got to ask yourself that question. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of issues. There's like a degenerative heel thing going on for him. It doesn't sound good. No. You got the next one. Next one coming in from H Town Broncos says the biggest problem with this team that I'm sensing is that it seems like no one cares that much. They may care, but not that much. They don't really want it, which is a huge factor in com- in competitive sports. Is want to the Broncos came out like they were just at work on a Monday morning. The Raiders came out like they wanted to beat the crap out of someone seems like half of our players are just out there to collect checks great player versus great player and the one who wants it more wins nine out of ten times all right here's the thing i don't believe that that none of these that some of these guys don't want it but zach this is a very real thing and i saw it happen firsthand when i was covering the buffs in some of their darkest days when you care so much when you put your heart and soul into something when you put everything on the line every week and you lose Zach it can take a real big emotional toll on you and the more you lose and the more it continues to happen you start to emotionally hedge a little bit because it it can actually take like a mental health toll on you to care that much and lose a bunch remember the Broncos have won have lost more than twice, right? Twice as many games as they've won in the last two seasons. That hurts for like, you know, and I'm not saying he's one of the people that has done this, but like for a Derek Wolf who tries so hard, who, who puts in everything all week, who just dedicates his body and puts it out there to lose that much can start to really take a toll on you. And, And not even consciously, but subconsciously, you can start to almost except losing a little bit more because you can't you can't um mentally withstand caring that much and being that depressed after each loss i saw it firsthand with multiple uh people that i was friends with that played on the cu football team during those years and and it, I, th- I believe it to be very real it's part of the quote-unquote losing culture so you got to uh, get the train back on the tracks and start winning again for guys for those losses to hurt more and then you have more want to if that's the case and if that's really what's going on then like I said yesterday the the Broncos need to move on from a lot of players after the season just 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 for a, a fresh start and Ryan vertical socks I feel like everyone in this community feels this pain he he chimes in and says as many others have noted the most shocking thing about the game was just how listless and uninspired the Broncos look compared to the Raiders no one looked like they were fired up to get the season started. I then started thinking back to the grumbling that was coming out during training camp about the length of Fangio's practices and how much time the players were spending in pads, with one anonymous player even saying that Kubiak would never have allowed this. I know there are many different philosophies on this. Mike Shanahan believed in not beating up your own guys, so I was wondering if maybe this affected the players in one of two ways. Are they just beaten up and worn down from an extra-long offseason full of extra-long practices, or... Is there resentment toward the coaching staff that is leaving them flat and uninspired? 
Pro Football Focus gave Von Miller one of his worst grades ever and noted how off he looked. Are some of the veterans who never got over losing Wade Phillips just not buying into Fangio's way of doing things? No, 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 no. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Um, that's not the issue. But you mentioned something that could have affected it. Remember I mentioned this after day one of joint practices with the 49ers. These guys were prepared for marathons, not sprints. You know, Zach, and, and you as a runner should understand that as well as anyone. If you're going to run one mile, you exert your energy in a very different way than if you're going to run 26. And while the discrepancy there isn't quite that big, I think that there's something to be said for, okay, if I'm preparing for a three-hour practice, I need to learn how to uh, exert my energy in a way that at 259, I still have a little bit of energy left. And maybe... Again, subconsciously, the Broncos all have been conditioned to release energy at a slower rate. Now, the problem with that is when you get to game day, you, there should just be this adrenaline rush that forces you through those three hours as opposed to the ones on the practice field where it's, it's true energy that you need. Do you agree? Uh, I don't know if that happens in just one training camp. I think it's subconscious. I, I truly believe it's subconscious. Uh, then Vic did it wrong. I mean, if, if you can't, if you're if you're practicing where your guys aren't ready for week one, that's a bad formula. But it's also on those guys. You got on Sunday. You have to realize it's it's time to go and it, you know hit some smelling salts and get out there. <laughs> but you can't just flip a switch. I'm Bill Parcells used to have a great way of referring to this. He Welcome t- back, Mace. Thank you. <laughs> he said. To get to that intensity that you have to have from week to week and then on in the playoffs, you have to build up and build up. There is no on switch. What taught him that lesson was going from Super Bowl winning team in 1986, Super Bowl 21, to the following year going 6-9 and nine in a strike-shortened season. He said in that year... His guys thought, oh, we can just turn on that intensity and be right where we were the year before when we won it all. And they learned the hard way. There is no on switch. you got to build that up day by day by day. Well, there is a switch for addressing <laughs> your tax needs, and that is Symbio Tax and Administration. They provide honest and knowledgeable tax services by licensed professionals for small business and, and busy families in Colorado. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and the guys over at Symbio are proud BSN subscribers and die-hard Colorado sports fan. So it's even more of a reason to not go to one of these retail tax chains. You receive a free consultation so that you can make an informed decision based on your particular situation. Symbio has literally saved people tens of thousands of dollars with their expertise. Reach out to Symbio Tax today and get your free consultation from a qualified tax professional so you can make an informed decision. It's three, sorry, it's 720-366-4470. That's 720-366-4470. Or go to Symbio, S ymbiotax.com. Next one coming in from Lone Star Bronco. Hey guys, it took me a day to mentally work through what went on. One, stop betting the farm on injury prone players. They are cheaper, but part time employees usually are. Two, we need to rebuild. Three of your best five players are 30 plus, and you can't win six games. Time to reboot. Elway's drafting has gotten better, but it's not good enough to fill a ton of holes every year. Three from Mr. B. Four, 
draft offensive line early and often until you fix this nightmare. That game Monday would have looked a lot better if you had Nelson over Chubb. Chubb played great last year, but what good did that do? Five, two-fifths of your offensive line is injury-prone. One is awful. One might be able to snap the ball, maybe. And the best piece is a rookie. Six, if a veteran says a second-year player cannot be a true leader, trade him or cut him immediately. He is part of the problem. I don't remember who who it was. It doesn't matter. Everyone but Locke. Everyone but Locke, Chubb, Lindsey, and Reisner are expendable. Seven for Elway. Eight, Fangio needs time to get his guys. Nine, Philly, Philly Steak Hot Pockets are my favorite. I'm not sorry. There you go. You aren't alone, Mace. Yeah. Ten. Monday night looked like a pickup football game you wandered up on in the park. And eleven. Scope buffs. There you go, Ryan. <laughs> uh, you skipped a couple here, so I'll, uh, I'll backtrack for you. What did I skip? From Bumpy Buffalo. He oh, says, yeah. hey, guys, RK, just accept the fact that Justin Herbert is coming. Hope not. I'm on Mesa's side. When Yadam gets burned as bad as he did, Jackson should have been rotated in as the outside cornerback. No matter how much work he did in the scheme, uh, he is a good enough player to not, to not look like a fool like Yadam, and Parks could have filled in at safety. What changes must happen for this, what changes must happen for this team to even have a chance to get to the 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven predictions that you guys made before the season? Defense. It's got to be the defense, in my opinion. Got to be dominant. Yeah, defense. You, you cannot have any more games where the pass rush doesn't touch the quarterback and if that means you're bringing your cornerbacks forward to take away some of the short stuff and force the quarterback to hold the football a little longer so be it It means getting away from that kind of coverage you have to do it but you've got to get the pass rush involved the best aspect of this defense is Von Miller and Bradley Chubb off the edge and when they're neutralized everything devolves from there Next one's from Nacho Brad. He says, no one questions that Fangio is a defensive genius. If the media was allowed one question where he was guaranteed the answer would be open and honest, what what would his answer possibly be about not rushing three to counter the quick passes? What could his answer possibly be? So what do you guys think? What would he say? Hmm. If he had to answer honestly, why why would he not just rush three? I think he would say uh, we had a game plan and we thought, you know, we had a chance of starting to get there if we did this, this, and this, but we didn't want to abandon what we planned on doing. And also, um, this is where you need more from the defensive line. If you're going to do anything to disrupt a quarterback that is getting the ball out in two seconds or fewer, it's going to happen from the guys on the interior. Do you remember back in the 2015 AFC Championship game? Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware had big games, but two guys who were just as important that day in knocking Tom Brady off the spot and preventing him from getting in a rhythm on those short, quick timing throws were Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf. Wolf. Yep. Because they were winning their matchups on the interior. They were forcing Tom Brady often into the grasp of DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller on the edge. And we didn't see any push from the defensive line. The Raiders' interior O-line owned the Broncos' three-man front. Yep, absolutely. The next one coming in from Steber92 says, One positive from Monday no one brought up. I did not hear Garrett Bowles brought up once. That's an improvement, right? Well, we've touched on that. Yeah, nope. From Broncos Girl 723 there are so many emotions I'm still working through. I'll do my best to nutshell some of them. One, my little Philip Lindsay. I didn't think I could love that kid anymore, but that pass blocking did it. Uh, even though he literally took one for the team and got mowed over, he did his job giving Flacco the time he needed to make a play. 
Two, I was thinking that gumballs didn't have a holding. I must have missed it during a trip to the restroom. Our O-line better step it up, except Reisner. He's our only bright spot. Well, with that holding call, it was, I think, announced at first on Ron Leary, and then the official corrected it to Garrett Bowles. Threes for Mr. B. Four, it hasn't, hasn't it been five years since we won a game in the black hole? We really have struggled there these days. It seems to be the only place where we don't have the stands orange. I'm sure it will change come next season. That away home field advantage is a real thing in Broncos country. Isn't it kind of weird to conceive of the Raiders maybe having a whining cheese crowd when they get into that new stadium mm-hmm. in Las Vegas? Yeah, except I do believe that there will be a lot of the diehard black holers mm-hmm. who make the trip, even if they still live in Oakland. I think they will as well, but at the same time, you're going to see it's there's going to be some very well-heeled people in that crowd, and there are going to be a lot of road fans. I expect 15,000 Broncos fans minimum when the Broncos go out to Vegas next year. Five, 77 on the Raiders offensive line looks like a freaking mountain of a man. Yeah, that's because he is. He makes Wolf look small. We have our hands full and have to adjust to that. Trent Brown, Von Miller has called him the toughest offensive tackle he's gone against. Yep. Six, we need Callahan. I'm trying to be patient with Yadam. It just gets harder and harder as the weeks go by. Could you imagine if they miss on another third-round corner? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And Callahan, I think you're going to have to be patient. Seven's for Elway. Eight, as I'm thinking of how I want to word this pass-run percentage, May 6th, the word's right out of my mouth. Just a bit more technical. We need more Lindsay. Nine, I know there's not a lot to be excited about after the game. With all our shiny new toys, I absolutely refuse to overreact yet. However, come October... I probably will be overreacting if things don't change. By then, it wouldn't be an overreaction. It would just be a reaction. Yes. Uh, Ten, I think I'm going to start signing off with my real name, just as a reminder. Love you, fam. Patience. That's a good Love one. it. Love it. Next one coming in from Bron- Oklahoma Bronco 58 says, "Looks, it's looking like not signing, re-signing Matt Paradis this offseason might be the biggest loss we had. While McGovern didn't look awful against Oakland, I thought Leary looked very bad, and it's only a matter of time till he's hurt again, and I thought toward the end of last year, Connor really made progress a guard. I'm just tired of this offensive line looking atrocious going back to Peyton's time. I thought McGovern wasn't bad Monday. Not great, but not bad, and didn't have a bad snap, which is something that kept coming up over and over again in training camp, but it's the domino effect. It's the fact that McGovern had to be moved to center, and Leary, you know, isn't going to make it through the season. And it was a tough game for Ron Leary as well. So there, there is some point to that. But the problem is, if you re-sign Matt Paradis, where are you not spending the money? Maybe you are going for a cheaper right tackle option than Juwan James, but maybe that right tackle option is healthy right now. Broncos squared. Unless Long you guys comments want to... today, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Broncos squared. Style it back. Hey, guys. Maybe I'm beating a dead horse with this question, but who the heck is the energy person on this team? Philip Lindsay. Yeah. It was so upsetting watching Joe Flacco and Von Miller just walking off the field with their shoulders slumped when things weren't going well. When Lindsay started to get hot in the second half, I was hoping to see him get fired up and smack the butts of his linemen to get them hyped, but I never saw it. Just a story to give you an idea of what I want to see. I played club ultimate for Boise State, and during one tournament we were leading in a game. After halftime, we started to fall apart, lost the lead, and the momentum. I got subbed into the game and broke up a possible scoring play that would have gotten us further behind. I was so frustrated with how the team was playing that after that play, I started yelling, screaming at the sideline, and my players were saying, let's effing go, and other such comments. We started to play better, and my teammates told me after the tournament that it helped them get back into the game. It got them hyped. Where is that on this Denver team? 
It's a great question, and I mentioned it like yesterday, and I wrote a whole column about it, essentially saying like, where's the energy? Who is the emotional leader of this team? You, I, I see you have the lead by example, guys. I see you have the lead by being really good guys like Von Miller. Who, who leads with emotion? And to me, the only candidate is really Philip Lindsay and maybe Dalton Reisner, but we're talking about really young players here, and as I said – Yesterday, it doesn't seem like the vets really want to accept that. Yeah, and you mentioned the offensive guys. Who's leading with emotion on the defensive side? I think there was a time Chris, Chris Harris, Harris Jr. Jr. Yeah. could do that, but it doesn't seem like he's completely bought into what Vic Fangio is doing. A lot of cracks are starting to uh, <laughs> One week be into revealed. the season. One week. It's crazy. It's crazy. And Sometimes it just you just need something to... to you know, shine a light on, on some of those cracks. Yeah. Speaking of Chris from Mr. Freeze, I just want to read this real quick. When Chris Harris Jr. said they got rid of all the dogs, he was proven right Monday night. I don't have anything good to say about the team right now, so I probably won't comment until that changes. Yeah, keep to leave. Okay. It was a key, but yeah. wasn't it a keep who said they got rid of all the dogs? Yes. And then they got rid of him. Danny Trevathan <laughs> coming in with Chicago, losing him is one of those under-the-radar departures of the last few years that was a thread that got pulled on the Broncos' defense. He wasn't as spectacular as other guys, but he was one that brought the entire unit together. He played and still plays in Chicago with a lot of bounce, a lot of verve, a lot of energy. There's, without the uber-profanity, there's a little bit of Al Wilson in him as far as a guy who was the heart of that defense from the linebacker position, being a leader, you don't get that sense from anybody on the defense right now. Derek Wolf is another guy who could, you know, be an effort type leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but even him, it, I don't know. You didn't see that on the other day. Maybe it was because Trent Brown was just swallowing him. You get guys burning cool rather than hot. Yep. Okay. Um, next one here is from Sir James Radio. He said, on a somber note, on the 18th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks, I want to say thank you to all of our first responders and military officers. Sorry, I got knocked off here. Officers, for all of your sacrifices so we can sit here and watch Zach eat a Hot Pocket and be upset by a silly game. Yes, great point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, especially, I mean, there we have many of those people in those positions here in the BSN family, so shout out to all of you guys. Uh, we, we really do appreciate you, and, and uh, we're thinking of you especially on a day like today. Now, Sir James Radio says, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, <laughs> the sky is not falling. This is a team of mostly vets. They just got punched in the mouth after going uninspired and rather lackadaisical. I'm chalking this up to a week one trap game until proven different. Yadam was exposed and should have been, been rotated out. But at the same time, sometimes struggles like that are needed to build up success. I remember Chris Harris Jr. getting torched back in 2011 going up against uh, Calvin Johnson and even Tony Scheffler at times when the Lions came in. That was learning experience for him. He says, on the subject of college quarterbacks, I've never been a fan of Herbert. Personally, I'm a ride-or-die Jake Fromm guy. Yes. (laughs) I love his upside and his overall passion for the game. After QB1 and his success at Georgia, I'm sold. Keep on – I'm not. But I'm not – anti Justin I'm not anti Jake Fromm I'm I'm close to anti Justin Herbert are you pro Tua nope I don't like so you just don't like these guys next year I don't honestly um are you tanking for Trevor I'd much rather tank for Trevor than tank for Tua I'll put it that way two years you ready for it 
Ready for the next two years? Uh, because there's got to be a place, a plan in place to be that bad. I'll go cover the Nuggets. You guys have fun. I'll come <laughs> back later. <laughs> um, he finishes by saying, "Keep on rocking, guys. Can't wait for the highly anticipated follow-up album to Oh Lordy Mama." Sir James. P.S. Dishwasher Salmon is an absolute yeah. banger. Woo! Uh-huh. Yeah, sure, James Radio. You're just this is this is Ryan's burner account right here. Okay, so we got wait, this is perfect. We got Hot Pocket taken care of in the first away game. <laughs> Next away game. Well, the Broncos are up in Wisconsin. Zach, I'm gonna make you dishwasher salmon. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I'm glad I'll be in Wisconsin having some cheese curds in that case. You have to. You, or some fried Do you like salmon? Eye. Yeah. Okay, you're going to love it. So you're wow. definitely going to eat it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Next one from Swedish Bronco says, I guess this means Drew is a no-show this year with both Tim Patrick and Juwan James most likely going on short-term IR. You said two were allowed back. I'm going to pull my hair out if anyone <laughs> talks about short-term IR, IR with designation to return, or anything that sounds like that, I'm, I'm going to pull my hair out. There's nothing. There is no such thing. You you can choose. You don't have to designate anything. You just, you just choose down the road. Choose two guys, and that's Even, it. Ian Rappaport. Yep. This weekend talked about IR with designation to return, and he I did it no. This they morning. got rid he of the de- this morning. They too. got rid of the designation. I almost rode my car and drove my car into a ditch. <laughs> as long as they are on the 53-man roster after cuts for a day or two, that's it. That you can bring him back at your leisure. Illinois Bronco. What's up, guys? It's been a while since I commented, but I need your input on it. What? Nothing. Nothing else. <laughs> Zach was trying. I thought Zach was trying to tell me something. Oh, and okay. I couldn't figure out what it was. Okay. What's up, guys? It's been a while since I commented, but I need your input on a debate I've been having with my fan, my friend who's a Bears fan. What are your guys' thoughts on PFF rankings? Do the grades accurately represent a player's performance? The Broncos didn't have high grades after Monday night's performance, which was accepted, which was expected. Pardon me, and I accept it. My friend, on the other hand, believes the Bears are a top five defense who held Aaron Rodgers to ten points, and is upset that their collective PFF grade is sixty-five percent. I'm intrigued to hear your guys' thoughts on the topic. But, uh, yeah, I mean PFF is is a part of the the pudding, or should I say, blood pudding? It uh, it, it it they. They can judge what guys did. They don't know what guys were supposed to do. That that's why it's not the all encompassing way to look at a game. I think there's value in some of the metrics they keep as far as pressures allowed, as far as uh, being able to look there and see who what defensive back went against what receiver. What, and so you look at cornerback on receiver, for example, and you can get an idea of what Isaac Yadam did. It's a tool. If it is your only tool, you're going to come up short in the evaluation, but it's a tool that I think is worth using along with some others that you can dive into. I'm drawing the line on this one. <laughs> I'm drawing the line on this one. This is a... Uh... I tried to, word. for some reason, my, my computer won't let me highlight this. I wanted to copy and paste it into a Word doc so I could see how many words <laughs> it actually is. But Nick Scott wrote a longer comment than I'm pretty sure any of our post-game this, articles. Th- yeah, this, this is the longest comment we've ever got. Um, okay, so I'm going to try and read through this and just see if there's anything that pops out that we can discuss here. I like the poop emoji. <laughs> I do see a poop emoji. Um, he talks about great game from Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman all looked good. Flacco's deep ball looked good the one time they threw it. Noah Fant had a decent game, kind of back and forth for him, but it's his first game as a rookie. 
Um, but here he says, the biggest positive of all. Time for what you've all been waiting for. As badly as I think we got beat in all facets of the game, we only lost by eight to a Raiders team that played flawlessly at home on a dirt field that they're used to. They, the Raiders, won't play that well again. Mark my words. And we still stayed in the game despite shooting ourselves not only in the foot, but in both arms. And once where the sun don't shine. Ouch. We handed them that game and we still had a chance to win it. This team will be fine, but they need a quick turnaround. A real quick one for our sanity and their own. I'm confident in this coaching staff's ability to turn things around, and I don't think this season is a bust yet. By the way, that little chunk right there was like actually a long comment. And that was <laughs> one-tenth of the whole thing. Here you go, Nick. Here, here's what I think. I think you want the players to or, or you want the Raiders to play this well again. You want the Raiders to end up being a twelve and four team. You want the Raiders to beat Kansas City on Sunday, I know that. Right. I mean, I mean, you don't want the Raiders to be a 12-4 and 4 team, but if they come out and continue to play well, then you don't look as bad. Yeah, uh, John Gruden coached the hell out of that game. He had a great game plan. He called a great offensive game. He played to Derek Carr's strengths. So, uh, as best he's looked as far, as far as I'm concerned. They've had a lot of issues over the last year since John Gruden came in. Offensive game plans generally have not been the problem. He can. It's a little bit kind of like Mike Shanahan. He can still scheme the hell out of you. The question is, can he build a roster that is strong enough, similar to what it was with Mike Shanahan? Because Mike Shanahan, the personnel guy, failed Mike Shanahan, the head coach. The Jonathan Abram being out for the year is really going to suck for them. Yes. That dude was setting the tone out there. Uh, a little bit too much for my liking, <laughs> yeah. but he was he he was someone that play, teams were going to fear when they went in there. Gillied Up Bronco says, hey, boys, first comment here, hashtag – we got him. Sorry it took so long to subscribe, but life happens. Sorry for the long one, but i just like to share a bit about myself. My name is Joel. I'm 29 and from Louisiana, LSU. Been in the Army for 11 years. I'm a sniper and an infantryman and did one combat tour in Iraq. Wow, thank you so much for your service. Yes, sir. Thank you. So happy to have you rolling with us. Me and my wife plan on moving to Colorado area to finish school soon. For our anniversary, we went up to Colorado and explored all the awesome places I've learned from you guys on the Damn Good Pod. I've been listening to this pod since the beginning. Not even kidding. I've logged 600 plus hours of your pods, LOL. That's wild. I was able to meet you guys at Blake Street Tavern and enjoy a few cold snacks and get some great merch as well. And even got a wave from Ziggles during the pod, LOL. Ziggles. (laughs) (laughs) Just crazy the stars were, were able to align that way. I had to explain to my wife that no way I planned this. It just worked out. She thought it was great. Last but not least, welcome Mace. Never thought you'd land here, but super glad you did. You do a great job educating us on events such as as a person and Broncos fan that I never thought I would have learned from that. I thank you. If we go 0-6, I'll be rooting for the hashtag Drew Lockmas. He's the one thing that keeps me optimistic. Much love, guys. Subscribe if you haven't. These guys are great and glad to be a part of the best damn Broncos pod. Wow. Thank you. Awesome comment. Thank you. We're so happy to have you rolling with us, Joel. Quickly address the 0-6 notion. If the Broncos do start 0-6, how disappointed would you be if Drew Locke comes back in the ninth game and is not in the starting lineup? I'll flip my lid. Yeah, he has to be. Yeah, uh, oh. if you're zero six, you are. It's it is all about twenty twenty and beyond, and you have to play a lot. Please, let's not talk about zero and six yeah. for God's sake. Yeah, bleed orange, blue boys. I love how Zach said inconvenient truth 
when May said they didn't want to mention anybody's name in the media about the Broncos game. Yeah, he did five seconds later. I was thinking the same thing. It was a hard game to watch. I get it's really disrespectful truth, by the way. Yes. It was a hard game to watch. I get really annoyed when our head coaches look completely inept on the sidelines. The MNF cameras will show Fangio with a look of complete confusion and lack of energy. Same when they showed Chubb and Vaughn standing next to each other while the offense kept getting penalty after penalty. I hate it. This team needs to wake the F up. These are games that matter now. The preseason is over. Would the Broncos ever bring in Peyton Manning as an Stop. offensive consultant? <laughs> hey, that's a nice dream, but Peyton Manning isn't coming back to be just an offensive consultant. Right. It's like, well, you say this all the time, Mason, and you're, you, you, you're right there with He's us. coming back. If he comes back and he, or if he works anywhere with the team, he is running the show. Right. That's it. Um, real quick. When did we start getting so? Um, when do we start being so critical and analyzing the the uh, facial expressions of coaches? You can thank Vance Joseph for that, yes. and it's funny how that is already taking place with Vic Fangio. Here's the thing. Here's a nice guide to facial expressions and anything you do as a coach. If you win, everything you do is amazing. If you don't, everything you do sucks. It, you would not have thought once about Vic Fangio's facial expression if the Broncos were winning the game 21-0. Right. Right. Uh, from Humpback Chubbs 55, Mace. Hey, guys, it's been a bit. Just wanted to start off by welcoming the great Andrew Mason to the BSN team. I was religiously listening to Orange and Blue 760, especially first and 10 at 10. One day I turned, off my, I turned on my iHeartRadio app and was startled by some awful sounds coming from what should have been Mace's voice that resembles a mixture of Fergie and Jesus. Oh. <laughs> so excited to have Mace here. Welcome. Sorry for the long comment, guys. I'm an anomaly. Uh, and do not believe the roof is caving in. I believe there were so many factors in the, uh, as to the results that transpired Monday night. However, hashtag and Fangio we trust. Next one coming in from Minnesota. Paul, says, boys. I was just going to ask if you knew what the Fergie and Jesus reference was from. It was because after- I know you know. Oh, no. Do you no, know? of course not. Wait, you know. Well, I mean, I know what he was listening to. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it was a mixture of, like, patriotic song no no it's from stepbrothers okay oh yeah. yeah i know i told you i needed to refresh come on guys next one from minnesota paul says boys it's been a while i'm not saying i'm throwing in the towel already but what if we actually go 0 16 and get the first overall pick? they're not going 0 16 what would be the price for a guy like tua would his height be enough to get an additional first round pick for two years three years five years on a serious note vaughn looked unethically slow i hope he or un- un- unenthusiastically slow. I hope he or someone who or someone who can relay this message to him reads this comment. Is Vaughn still good? Okay, a lot to unpack here. One, <laughs> I love how Owen Vaughn turns into Owen sixteen so quickly. <laughs> Two, yes, Vaughn is still good. Um, I just I don't know what happened to that team. They they, I hope they learned their lesson. That's all I can say. They came out so flat and. If you come out hype and you get punched in the mouth, uh, it can be a negative thing. If you come out flat and get punched in the mouth, well, you're, you might as well be knocked out at that point. Next one here is from Selly. I know it's hard trying to find the positives from Monday night's game, but as bad as we played, we still had a chance to win if not for the dropped touchdown and missed 64-yard field goal before half. There's still a lot to fix, but it's just game one. No need to overreact as a fan base yet. P.S. I had my Breck brew, my first Breck brew, the Avalanche, on a tailgate Saturday. And it was everything I hoped it to be. Oh, that's wonderful. How Colorado of you. Yeah, Bronco born, Bronco bred. What's up, y'all? After having some time to digest the sadness I had to watch on Monday night, 
I wasn't even angry, honestly. I was mostly sad. I've come away with some optimism. No one was expecting too much from our team this year, and if we don't do well, that's fine. It sucks to see, but could be our best path to the soonest Super Bowl. I have no problem with us getting a great great draft capital for next year and then try to accumulate multiple first-round picks. After that, go get a left tackle as well as the GOAT C.D. Lamb. Sorry, Ryan, he's better than LaVisca. Fighting words, and then boom, our offense is great. Drew Locke, Sutton, a first-round wide receiver, Phil, and a bolstered OL would have me ready to go for the next five years at least. Got to say I'm pretty sad that I'm having to look this far ahead after only one game, but dang, Monday night was rough. Sorry for the long comment. Ugh, if they have great draft capital because you're already throwing away the season, don't go wide receiver. Don't. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm sorry to your boy. It's okay. You Phil can, isn't a wide receiver. <laughs> you can find good wide receivers round two, round three, round four. LaVisca's not a wide receiver. Yeah. It's the one position that college football has no problem developing for the NFL, wide receiver. Yeah, There's they plenty run of routes guys. on every play. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because LaVisca is a running back, uh, huh. quarterback, tight end, wide receiver. Do you I, think I, this team would use him in that multifaceted way? Oh, yeah, they're uh, the, the picture of um, creativity around here. Hey, they use Noah Fanta on a uh, <laughs> tight end around. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, Let's forget that play ever it, happened. If it worked, it would have looked great. It's true. I mean, here, here's the thing with LaVisca. If you like, like, 32 yards per game, then get him. One thing I wrote about in training camp that I was totally right about, I said, watch out for all the plays that are designed to just get the ball in Noah Fant's hands. Yep. And that wraps it up for us on the BSN Broncos podcast after 32 comments, which felt like 320 comments because all of you had a lot to say, uh, which we totally understand. But for today, that's going to wrap us up. So we'll talk to you tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's getting me down, waiting up for you. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will 
will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Piper.